Alright, thank you Brother Terry, thank you choir, thank all of you for taking part in worship this morning, and I pray that our worship was honored to the Lord, and accepted unto the Lord, so thank you so much for being here. If you brought your Bibles this morning, we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 10. We looked at this passage of scripture last week, Hebrews chapter 10, and I want us to focus on uh, Hebrews 10, verse 22 through 25, Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verse 22 through 25, Hebrews 10, 22 through 25. As I share with you a sermon, going forward in faith, that's our theme, going forward in faith, confessing our confession and worship, confession and worship. We're going to see today what confession, confession and worship and how they, they go hand in hand. Hebrews chapter 10, and we'll look at verse 22 through 25. God's Word says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Verse 23. Let us hold fast. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he's faithful, that promise. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love. It doesn't say to provoke one another. It says provoke unto love. Don't misread that. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, if you would look at verse 23 uh, as a text. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he's faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love, and to good works. Recently, I've shared that I began a series entitled, Go Forward in Faith. And as a pastor, I feel that God has special plans, a special purpose for us to do. Uh, at Mountain View Baptist Church, I've said that He has the impossible for us to do for Him, individually and as a church family. However, to accomplish those plans... You and I and us, Mountain View Baptist Church, have to be willing to go forward in faith. Two weeks ago, we observed the Lord's Supper. and doing so, we remembered how God did the impossible through His Son, Jesus. Uh, God, through Jesus, provided His Son an, an atonement for mankind's sin. For the world, atonement for the world, for all of mankind. And so Jesus, by faith, submitted himself to the Father's will, and he stepped forward out of heaven. He came to this earth incarnate, the incarnate Son of God, stepped forward in faith, stepped forward to come to this earth, had a, a ministry here on this earth, healing the blind, giving sight to the blind, giving walk to the lame, healing those that were diseased, raising the dead. He had a ministry here on this earth, stepped forward, came to the earth, 
Step forward in ministry. Step forward to the Garden of Gethsemane. And there he prayed until the drops, became his tears and sweat became as blood. Step forward from the Garden of Gethsemane to Pilate's Hall. There he was given a mock trial. Step forward in faith from there to a scourge and post. And there he was scourged and beaten on our behalf. Step forward from the scourge and post and laid on the ground while a cross was placed up upon him or he was placed upon the cross, nailed to the cross. And then step forward, slowly step forward to Golgotha, to Calvary. And there he was hung between heaven and earth and died on that cross for the sins of mankind. Jesus did the impossible by going forward in faith. So Jesus is the ultimate example of our going forward in faith. I don't know about you and your spiritual life, where you are in your spiritual life. I hope you're where you need to be. I'm not. I'm trying to step forward in some areas and and to get where God wants me to be. And this is what this is all about, having faith to step forward in the areas that God wants us to move forward in faith to be closer to Him. Last week we realized in order to do the impossible that God has for us individually and as a church, we have to be willing to go forward in faith in worship. In worship. We had a great worship service last week. We had a great worship service, having a great worship service today. And I appreciate your involvement. More than that, I know, the, I know the Lord Jesus is honored by it. And so today I want us to continue that thought of worship. And this morning I want us to see the importance of going forward in faith as we look at confession and true worship. Confession and true worship. So if you're taking notes, first of all, before there is true worship, we must experience a true confession. Before true worship, there must be a true confession. The word confession is really uh, defined as an acknowledgement. Acknowledgement. Confession is seeing things as God sees things. He tells us in his word there in, uh, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, or verse 23, let us hold fast to the profession, uh, better translated, Confession, let us hold fast to the confession, the acknowledgement. Well, what are we acknowledging? When we're, you know, just a few moments ago, the choir sang about amazing grace. Uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's, man, when I began to plan what God would have for us to, to hear from his word and trying to seek God's guidance and what to preach, and, and I began to, last night I began to say, you know, we should have... We, sh- we should have listed Amazing Grace. We just should have sung Amazing Grace. And I was even going to tell Terry, whatever you do, let's sing Amazing Grace this morning. Well, I forgot to tell Terry, but you know what? The, the choir wrapped all that up in a beautiful rendition of God's grace. It's His grace. It's all about His grace. And when we sing Amazing Grace, and when we've been there 10,000 years, we actually believe that, amen? Do you believe that? That's acknowledgement. That's confession. That's profession. When we've been there 10,000 years, right, shining as the sun, with no less day to sing God's praise as when we first begun, that's acknowledgement. That's profession. That's confession. Confessing. 
So when we hear God's word, we receive the truth, we assimilate that truth into our heart, and then we appropriate it and we acknowledge it, we confess it. So Hebrews 10, 23, 25, there must be confession before worship. Look at verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith. Verse 23, let us hold fast the confession, the profession of our faith. Let us hold fast to the confession. Well, what confession? Not the doctrine of faith. He says to the faith. Not the doctrine of faith, but faith here literally means the hope that we have in Christ. Let us hold fast to the hope that we have in Christ. That should be our profession. That should be our confession. You see, this morning the devil would like to get some of you to lose your hope in Jesus Christ. The devil would try to convince you that things are hopeless for you right now. As a Christian, that things are hopeless. Is there something in your life that you've struggled with perhaps for years and you can't let it go? And all of a sudden, you've come to a resolve that I'm never going to get over this, so I might as well accept it. It's hopeless for me. I heard this statement recently. The statement is, we can't go back and make a new start, but we can start from here and make a new ending. Amen? I can't go back and make a new start. It's the past is what it is, but it is also the past. I can't go back and make a new start, but I can start here and I can have a new ending. I can have a better ending than what I was going to have. That's what God desires for all of us today, is to have a better ending. This morning, God wants you to come to a place where you're willing to enjoy a relationship with Him and be able to worship Him with a pure heart and with a clean heart, with a confession of sin prior to your worship. Seriously, this morning, did we really? You know, this morning I asked Ty if he would play that, God, uh, you are holy, God, you're holy, just to prepare our hearts to come in to meet God. About five minutes till every week, we're going to have just a time of preparation for worship. We're going to come in, and, and Ty will have something for us to be quiet and be meditative, and we can sit here and begin to confess our sins and think about our life with him instead of just coming in right off the street and coming in, not giving any thought about it, and try to experience true worship. We have to prepare for worship. And so in order to have true worship, there must be a confession, a confession. He gives us a warning. God gives us a warning in his word about confessing sin, not confessing sin. Ephesians 4 Verse 27 is a very simple verse. It says, listen, be careful, don't give place to the devil. You know the devil wants a place in your life? Just a place. Just, just a place. Don't, neither give place to the devil. A small place. Just a little bitty place. He wants just a little bitty place in your heart, in your life. But listen, it'll always turn out to be a dark place. Dark. And so to worship, we have to acknowledge, we have to confess, we have to see ourselves as God sees us. And then there's a danger of, 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 wain, of waiting to confess our sins. We, we really don't, we want to wait about doing that. We want to give the devil a, a small place in our life. 
Let me tell you something. When you give the devil a small place, he becomes very aggressive in taking over your life completely. Just a small place. When you give the devil a small place, he becomes aggressive and he wants a large place. And when the Bible says don't give place to the devil, literally it means don't give the devil an opportunity. Opportunity. Here's the point. Satan's looking for an opportunity in your life. He's looking for an opportunity in my life. That opportunity may be in the point of lying, or it may be stealing, it may be lusting, it may be anger, it may be jealousy, it may be resentment, it may be some type of immorality. He's looking for an opportunity to have a place. Adrian Rogers said this, and I liked it. He said, consider your life as a 100-acre field. And you would think Satan will be satisfied if you give him only an acre. And you begin to think to yourself, well, I'll have 99 to manage myself. That's not all bad. I'll manage the other 99. But you see, when you give the devil an acre in your heart, in your life, he wants the center of your heart. And when he gets in the center of your heart, then he has free access to all areas of your heart. He has the right of way as he approaches the center of your heart. And when you let him in, he begins to take over. And he wants more, and he gets more, and more, and more, and more, until he possesses your life altogether. Your life is just full of sin, wrecked by sin. Wrecked by sin. Wrecked. Freddie Gage, he's deceased now. He says this about sin. He says, sin thrills, but sin kills. Sin fascinates but sin also assassinates. Sin plays for keeps. He said you can't play with sin. You'll always be burnt with sin. James chapter 1, verse 14. Notice God's word. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and is enticed. He's drawn away. That word drawn away is a fishing term. I'm not term. We, I know we have some fishermen in here. Pretty popular. Popular, real popular on Sunday with a lot of guys and gals. But thank you that you have other time for it. But he's drawn away, a fisherman's term. And what you have in that drawn away term is that you have maybe a bass snuggled up against a rock and it's clear water and you can see that bass and and you'll take, a, you'll take a, a, a bait or you'll take a lure and you'll cast it out there by that, that, uh, that rock and you'll ease it by him. You don't snag the fish. You want to catch the fish. You want to lure the fish. Draw, him, draw the fish to you. Picture that bass there. Some lures won't draw that bass in. Other lures will draw that bass in. The point is, if we're all honest with ourselves, okay, let's be honest, all of us have a bait, have a lure that we struggle with. We all have that. Sometimes we even become judgmental of someone because of a person may take a bait. They may grab a lure, and you look at them and you would say something like this, I never would have done that. Oh, yeah? 
You probably would say that. I would say that maybe at times. But I never would do that. But you would do this. Not that you would, but you have. Maybe not their lure, but your lure. You're drawn away. The Bible says there in James 1 verse 14, by your own lure, by your own lust. Every man, verse 14, is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So the devil, listen, devil knows your lure. The devil knows your bait. He knows your desire. How does he know that, brothers? And we display them. We display them. He watches us. He observes us. Remember the scripture, person said, Jesus, I know. That person had watched Jesus. and He knew the miracles that Jesus had performed. And he knew Jesus. He knew Paul. He, how did he know Paul? He observed Paul. Jew, I don't know. Satan observes you. He observes me. We go to places we don't need to go to. We say things we don't need to say. We think things we don't need to think. We do things we don't need to do. He observes those things. And then the devil says, uh-huh, mm-hmm, right there it is. There's the weakness. I know what bait to draw him or her in. I know the weakness. You see, this morning, to worship God in truth, we must have confession. To worship, to worship God in truth and with a clean heart and a pure heart, we have, to, we have to acknowledge sin. We have to confess sin. And then we have to confess sin immediately. Immediately. You can't tolerate and you can't hold sin in your life. You've got you to get rid of it. You can't manage sin. It gets out of control. Johnny Hunt said this in a new book he's published. He says, if you don't demolish sin in your life, it will do everything to demolish you. Worth writing down. If I don't demolish it, if I don't ask God to, if I don't repent, turn from it, ask God to forgive me, run from it, flee from it, it's going to demolish me. John 10, verse 10. Familiar passage says, the thief comes not to, but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Those to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Well, which one of those words would you say, well, that's not so bad. Uh, to steal, that's not so bad to steal from me. To kill, really? To destroy, really? That's the, that's the devil's purpose for our lives, mine included. They're words of destruction. The devil wants to destroy us. He has a target on my back. He has a target on your back. And he's constantly seeking to kill, steal, and to destroy. Go forward in faith in our confession and true worship. We have to acknowledge sin to experience true worship. We have to confess our sins immediately to experience true worship. And then we must never waver. Notice what he says back in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10, he says in verse, uh, I believe it's verse 23, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope, our faith, without wavering, without wavering. 
takes us back, Hebrews takes us back into the Old Testament, gives us some shadows of the past. Talks, uh, Hebrews talks about the sacrificial system, speaks about Moses, Mount Sinai, and giving of the law. And then he talks about grace, Rachel. He talks about grace. Talks about this grace. The number one hymn in the entire world is Amazing Grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was blind. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. And then he says, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear.'" You ever notice this? "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear.'" "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear.'" And grace, my fears relieved? Did you get that? The very thing that caused me to fear is the very thing that relieved my fear. Grace. Biblical grace that taught my heart to fear. But grace that relieved my fear. To hold on to your faith without wavering. In the Greek New Testament, it, it means uh, not lying down. Um, have you ever heard the expression, I'm not going to take that lying down? Yeah, I'm not going to take it lying down. I mean, I'm moving forward. I'm pressing on. You do that through grace. You do that through grace. You do that by stepping out in faith. The point is, so regardless what comes your way, the believer stand firm and stands fast in his hope in Jesus Christ, not wavering. Hold fast. When you are genuine, hopeful, hold fast. When you, when you acknowledge the hope that you have in Christ, don't waver. Hold fast. Well, I heard you're going through a tough time right now. Yeah, in that relationship, yeah, I am, but, but I'm holding on. Well, what are you holding on to? Well, I'm holding on to the faithfulness of God. I heard things, you went to the doctor and things didn't do, go well. Yeah, but I'm holding on. Well, what are you holding on to? Well, I'm, I'm holding on to the faithfulness of God. It's not a time to get out of the boat, but it's time to, to press up against Christ during those times. We're holding on to our hope. We're holding on to our faith in Jesus Christ. Present tense, we're holding on. We're always holding on. Always. Notice John chapter 23. Oh, John chapter 2, I'm sorry. John chapter 2. John chapter 2, and I want to read verse uh, 23. John 2, verse 23. Very, I mean, God really spoke to my heart here. When Jesus, it's right after the Passover. You have it on the screen. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover and the feast day, many believed in his name. They believed. James 2, 19 says, even the devils believed and trembled. They believed in his name. 
when they saw the miracles he did. But verse 24, but Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew them. I really never had noticed that in depth. Many believed in his name when they saw the signs. But he didn't commit himself to them. You see, here's the point. When we truly come to God, when we truly acknowledge him, when we truly, truly, not doubting, not wavering, put our trust and faith in him, and we believe that he is who he says he is, he commits himself to us. Now, there have been a number of people saved this past year that made professions of faith. A number said they'd committed themselves to Jesus. They believed in Him. But my question is, or what I ponder, is we don't know how many Jesus committed Himself to. Because of the sovereignty of God. The point is, when you are in Him, when you are really in Him, He is really in you. When you really commit yourself to Him, He really commits Himself to you. And it's not that you're holding on to Him, it's that He's holding on to you. You've put your faith in Him, and you have committed to Him. And he has committed to you. In closing, let me just say this. Confession and true worship. Before there's true worship, there must be true confession. Before there's true worship, we have to acknowledge our sin immediately. Before there's true worship, we must not waver. But steadfast. Stand fast. Never bending. Standing fast. If. We have committed to him. He has committed to us. Have you made your confession prior to the service? I have to admit at times I'd run into church and I never had, had even spent time in prayer. I intended to, but can I talk to you a minute, Brother Sammy? Brother Sammy, you got a moment here, Brother Sammy, you got a moment there? or just in general visitation, then all of a sudden the time goes and we haven't prepared to worship. And our hearts are not what they're supposed to be. And we're facing a holy God and we're trying to worship Him with unclean hearts, with impure hearts. And so let's, let's as a church, as individuals, let's just spend some time in quietness before we come before dismiss our classes on time and come in here and your choir can come in at five minutes till. We get them in there, they can come in here and we just meditate and pray for a while as we prepare to worship our Lord. Have you professed Him? As a Christian, is there anything in your life that should not be in your life? Is your life pure before God today? 1 John 1, 9 simply says this, if we confess our sins, he's speaking to Christians, by the way. 
We use it sometimes evangelistically, but to the Christian, he says, if you confess your sins, that he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then if you're here this morning without Jesus, he said, if you would trust him and only him, if you would believe in his name, meaning to trust him and nothing else for your salvation, put all your trust in him, Believe in His name. Confess Him to be your Lord, your Savior. I mean, that's what Romans 10, verse 9 says. Romans 10, 9 says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made into salvation. Confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord, confessing I have committed myself to him. He is my boss. He has all power and authority and control over my life. I'm not going to be perfect, but I know that the Holy Spirit will convict me and the Holy Spirit will guide me to do the right thing and to repent of sin when I'm in sin because I've committed myself to him. Let's bow our heads for a prayer. Father, thank you for a time that we've had just to open your word and think, just think. In this passage, Hebrews chapter 10, and what it means to hold fast to our profession, to our hope that we have in Jesus. And Father, help us, we pray, for those who have never, never confessed you as Lord and Savior of their life, I pray today that they would humble their heart, ask you to forgive them of their sin, and come into their life and save them. Father, believing in their heart that, that you came to this earth, that you died on the cross for mankind's sin. You suffered on our behalf. You took our place on the cross. And Father, you died for my sin for the world's sins. And you were buried and you arose again. And you ascended into heaven. And on the way up prior, you said, I will come again. And we're waiting for that return right now. And for those who have never believed you to the point of committing themselves to you, I pray, Lord, today they would ask you to forgive them and come into their life and save them as they give their life to you. For the Christian here, Father, as we examine our heart, please, Father, as we worship you, please cleanse our heart, clear our heart of anything that would separate us from our worship to you, separate us in praying to you, to have our prayers answered for our family, our, our spouse, our children. Lord, we can't even pray to a holy God to sin in our life. So help us today to get things cleared up, Lord, in regards to that we can be true worshipers. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Terry's going to leave.